We're live. What is up, guys? It's Alex Johnson here, the founder and lead analyst at YardsPerFantasy.com. Welcome to the 118th episode of the Feed Me Fantasy podcast. Let's see. Julio Jones just signed a one-year deal with the Bucks. Who is stepping into a competition with Russell Gage for the wide receiver three role in Tampa? The bigger news, though, is that Chris Godwin is not only expected to be ready for week one, but he has been cleared to start training camp on time. This is huge news, considering he had ACL surgery in January and is considerably ahead of the injury timetable. I had him penciled in as a mid-October return with a real chance to be out as late as November or even December. So with this news, we have to move Mike Evans down in the rankings. Sure, he's a touchdown machine, but he had a 17% target share last year. That's barely even good. Never mind close to elite. We've moved him outside the top 10 wide receivers at yardsperfantasy.com. And we, if he continues to get positive news on Godwin throughout training camp, Evans is going to continue to slide down the rankings. We had been super bullish on Evans, but we may end up on the fade list for Evans, depending on how things go with Godwin. We'd also been super high on Russell Gage. He was actually originally going to be one of the guys I'm talking about today as someone I'm higher on than consensus. But he's moved down the rankings with Godwin, returning in the Julio Jones signing. He's still inside my top 100, barely, but he is. But I expect he'll continue to fall just like I mentioned with Evans. With that said, I do expect that I will continue to be higher on, on Russell Gage than consensus and will continue to draft him. I'm also higher on consensus and will continue to be high, higher on consensus than on Cam Akers. I'm all the way back in on Cam Akers this year. Like all the way back fucking in. If you remember, he was one of my favorite picks in early summer drafts last year before he went down with an Achilles. I loved him because, well, he's pretty freaking good. But also because he was getting a massive offensive upgrade with the quarterback swap from Jared Goff to Matthew Stafford. And now that we've seen that offense in action, I'm even more optimistic about, about what Akers can do in this offense. The doubters are going to say he looked bad at the end of last season come on off injuries. Are you freaking kidding me? The dude was literally six months removed from one of the most traumatic injuries a running back can sustain. It was a miracle that he was even out there. And yet after riding Daryl Henderson and Sony Michelle for the duration of the season, it took no time for the Rams to hand the backfield over to Cam Akers. He took 75% of the carries in the postseason while averaging 19 touches per game. Sure, he was not efficient in those touches. But let's remember, they played against the league's third, seventh, and fifth-ranked rush defenses in the playoffs. So can you really blame him? Now, now he's had a full year since the injury, and he should be back to his old self. This is a guy who averaged over 120 scrimmage yards per game over the last seven games, including postseason, in his 2020 rookie season. He's going to be a workhorse and one of the best offenses in the league. 
He has no significant threats to his workload on the depth chart. The team's uses of Sony Michelle and then Acres at the end of the season tell me everything I need to know about the, how they view Daryl Henderson. They don't really like him. In an offense that seemingly lived in the red zone in 2021, Acres will see plenty of scoring opportunities. And I expect he's going to get more work in the passing game as well. The Rams haven't been the most friendly offense for running back targets over the last few years. I believe they're tied with the Ravens for the lowest targets in the backfield over the last couple of years. But Matthew Stafford has historically loved throwing to his running backs, and Akers has the receiving profile to warrant a shift in that trend. At Florida State, Akers caught 53 passes over the final two seasons, and he had 12.3% college target share, according to playerprofiler.com. So I'm all back in, all the way back in on K-Makers. I'm also all in on this rookie wide receiver, Jalen Tolbert of the Dallas Cowboys. Tolbert is one of my favorite picks in the double-digit rounds. He's coming into the league as a third-rounder who is massively productive in college. He's an older prospect who is ready to step right in and be productive. It appears he's going to get that opportunity, considering the Cowboys traded away Amari Cooper. They let Cedric Wilson walk in for agency and are likely to start Michael Gallup on the PUP list. Although I said that about Chris Godwin, and here we are. But we'll see. Looking at the current state of the Dallas depth chart, Tolbert likely slides in as the wide receiver two behind CeeDee Lamb to start the season. He has the size and skill to hold his own out there and present a downfield weapon for Dak Prescott while Lamb is moved around the formation and Dalton Schultz eats underneath. Dallas allows for a ton of fantasy points, considering their preferred method of calling plays. The Cowboys were second in pace of play in 2021, and they were above league average in neutral game script pass rate. That's an ideal environment for any playmaker and only strengthens the case for Jalen Tolbert. Not only do I love drafting Tolbert in fantasy football, he's also a great dark horse bet for Offensive Rookie of the Year on BetUS. We just laid out the case for him in fantasy, but it also translates to betting. And when you sign up for BetUS using promo code YARDSPER, you'll receive an instant 125% deposit bonus. They've opened up player prop bets on BetUS recently too. Our guy Zach Schultz of the Fantasy Leftovers podcast, he just wrote an article on his favorite early training camp prop bets. I suggest you take a look at that. Yardsfantasy.com. It's right on the homepage. He makes a strong case for some over-under prop bets that he's taken early on here in training camp. So another guy I am higher on than consensus in my rankings for 2022 is another rookie, actually. Terrian Davis Price. I'm telling you, could this year's Elijah Mitchell be Terrian Davis Price? And yes, ironically, He's sitting on the depth chart behind Elijah Mitchell. It could be Tyrion Davis Price. I really believe it. He's bigger. He's stronger. He has greater size adjusted speed than, than Elijah Mitchell with a three round advantage in draft capital. We all know Kyle Shanahan 
loves to run his lead backs into the ground. If he determines that Davis Price is more cut out for that gig, then he presents the same league-winning upside we saw over stretches of the season last year from Elijah Mitchell. This is an offense that ranks fifth in neutral game script rushing rate over the last two years, according to playerprofiler.com. Not only that, but they are all in on their second-year quarterback, Trey Lance, whose game is built around the rush attack. Don't get me wrong. I'm not predicting TDP to step in and take over this backfield from week one. Don't get too far ahead of ourselves here. But at some point, whether it's because of an injury to Mitchell or Shanahan just wants a change, Davis Price is likely to get his shot atop the depth chart at some point this season. And when that happens, you're going to be very happy that you have TDP waiting in the wings. I guess we're sticking with rookies here. Another guy that I am higher on than consensus in my rankings to start training camp. Yes, it's another rookie. It's Drake London. And part of the reason why I have some of these rookies ranked so far ahead of consensus, it's it's kind of an advantage. Every year we have an advantage of drafting rookies because people fade rookies because they're rookies. But every year you have a handful of these guys who go off in their rookie season. So for me, I'm usually ahead of consensus on at least a handful of these guys, and Drake London is another one of them. He was on pace last year to have one of the most dominant receiving seasons we've seen in college football before fracturing his ankle. And yet he still finished with over 1,000 yards receiving, and he averaged 11 receptions per game over eight contests. 11 receptions per game, not targets receptions. That's incredible. And even in his early days at USC, he was productive while playing alongside Michael Pittman and Amon Ross St. Brown. He's the clear wide receiver one in Atlanta with tight end Kyle Pitts as the only real threat for target competition. London's a big bodied beast with all the tools to be a prototypical alpha wide receiver out there at X. And he's a yak monster. He's going to pick up yards after the catch, like one of the best in the league. Of all the players going around his ADP right now, London has by far the most upside of all those guys. So the last guy I'm going to talk about today as someone I am ahead of consensus, and then we'll talk about a handful of guys that I'm below consensus. Ahead is Albert Okwebunam. And yes, that is the way you say it. Albert Okwebunam is the favorite of mine for breakout tight ends this year. He's my favorite. I love this guy. The road to fantasy production has been paved. From the departure of Noah Fant to the upgraded quarterback. Albert O is an athletic freak. This guy is six foot six, 258 pounds. He's got four, four, eight speed. I mean, there are wide receivers that are like 180 pounds that don't run that fast. And even while playing behind Noah Fant last year, Okwebunam, he finished as a tight end one, two times, and he was inside the top 25 on another eight occasions. His target rates, or sorry, his rate of targets per route, which is his target rate actually, his rate of target per route was 29.9%, 30%. To put that in perspective, Travis Kelsey's rate 
was 25%. He's a beast after the catch too. In limited opportunities, he still ranked top 15 among all tight ends with 255 yards after the catch. Now he gets to play with Russell Wilson at quarterback in an offense that projects to be among the highest scoring in the league. Okwebunam will present a fantastic weapon down the seams, underneath, and in the red zone for his new quarterback. I find it hard to imagine that he doesn't finish as a top 10 scorer. So those are the guys, or a handful of the guys that I'm ranking ahead of consensus in my rankings to start training camp. Let's talk about some of the guys I'm ranking below consensus. Some of them you already know I've talked about on here a few times. The first is Tyreek Hill. Don't get me wrong. Tyreek Hill is a fantastic talent. But his fantasy floor and his ceiling are not what they once were. He's gone from the high-flying Patrick Mahomes-led Chiefs to the Tua Tungavailoa Dolphins. This is the same Tua Tungavailoa who threw 16 touchdowns in 13 games last year. I mean, what are we going to do with that? And he was 31st in air yards per attempt. That's pathetic. In Kansas City, the passing game went through two guys, Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. And now, now he's going to have to compete with Jalen Waddle, who I know, of course, that's not Travis Kelsey, but... Travis Kelsey is a tight end. In Miami, Jalen Waddle is kind of a redundant asset. To a point, to a point. Stylistically, these guys are, are similar, and they're gonna they're gonna siphon targets away from each other. Neither one of these guys is gonna see the same target shares that they were seeing before they came together. Add to that, Hill is going from the past happy Chiefs to an offense led by a Kyle Shanahan disciple. Mike McDaniel. The offense is going to be at least more run-oriented than what Hill was playing in in Kansas City. I don't think they're going to be as run-oriented as the 49ers have been over the last few years with McDaniel there. I mean, just looking at the, the personnel on the offense, but it's not going to be, you know, Patrick Mahomes. Hill's going to get his. He's going to get his. He's going, but he's going to have to rely more on his run after the catch ability and less on those magical Patrick Mahomes moments that created the massive weekly upside that he gave us over the last three years. So another guy I'm below consensus on is Rashad Penny. Penny averaged more than 22 fantasy points per game over the last five weeks last season. He was awesome. I loved him. I loved him. League winner. I talked about him on TikTok, talked about him all over the place. Picked this guy up. I was weeks ahead, weeks ahead on Rashad Penny. That worked out really, really well. But we're now in 2022. Things have changed. This is a whole different situation here for, for Rashad Penny. Russell Wilson's gone, shipped off to Denver. That leaves Penny in the worst offense in the league with the worst quarterback situation in the league. This is going to be an offense that plays at a slow pace. It's going to be inefficient. It's going to struggle to keep drives alive. They're not going to see many red zone trips, and that's going to limit the fantasy production of all of its players. It's not like he's going to make up for it as a pass catcher like we saw with DeAndre Swift last year either. Even in a functional offense with Russell Wilson, a quarterback, he averaged just one receptions per game over his hot five-game stretch last year. And over his career, 
Penny has averaged 0.62 receptions per game. I believe that's in 37 games. 0.62 receptions per game over the course of his career. He's not a pass catcher. He's not a pass catcher. And let's not forget, the Seahawks just used a second-round pick on a running back. Hello? And sure, Penny is reportedly expected to remain atop the depth chart, but it's only a matter of time before Kenneth Walker gets an opportunity to take on a bigger role in that backfield. So now we have a running back in Penny who doesn't catch passes. He's in a bad offense. And at best, he's splitting the early downs work. I'm out. I'm out. And this does not mean Kenneth Walker season either. I made a video about, about how I'm down on Rashad Penny on TikTok a few, a few weeks ago. And I got in the comments. You must love Kenneth Walker. Yes, yes, this is great for Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker season. Uh, I like Walker even worse than Penny in redraft leagues for all the same reasons. And then add in that he's a rookie. He's expected to start the season as the number two. Uh, no thanks. No thanks. I'll take him in Dynasty if you know if I can get him in the middle of the first round of a rookie draft, but not in redraft leagues this year. Anyway. Another running back that I am down on below consensus is James Conner. On the surface, James Conner, his 2021 season was quite spectacular. It really was. It was a career renaissance after a couple of injury plague seasons in Pittsburgh. But you're in for a rude awakening if you expect a repeat of last year's output. Conner's fantasy production mostly came from his 18 touchdowns and a crazy 7.5% touchdown rate. That's not sustainable. Hello. Hello. Spoiler alert. He's not going to score touchdowns at a 7.5% rate again. It's not sustainable. It's just not. And none of his other statistics even cracked the top 10. In fact, touchdowns aside, his numbers were quite pedestrian. He took 202 carries, which was ranked number 17 among running backs. 752 yards, which was 24. And as a pass catcher, he had 37 receptions, which ranked outside the top 25 for 375 yards. And he wasn't even overly efficient either. His true yards per carry was 3.6. That ranked 62nd among all running backs. While his yards per touch, evaded tackles per touch, and breakaway run rate all ranked outside the top 24, according to Player Profiler. So when fantasy analysts tell you not to draft running backs in the dead zone, this is who they're talking about. Last guy I'm going to talk about today as someone I am ranking below consensus is Gabriel Davis. Gabriel Davis is going as wide receiver 24 on underdog. Use promo code yards per, by the way, on underdog fantasy. That's going to get you a 100% deposit bonus. Use that to enter Best Ball Mania or the new puppy that's coming next week. Or even the Scott Fishbowl Satellite Tournament where the finalists are automatically entered into next year's Scott Fishbowl 13. But back to Russell Gage, you'll never catch me drafting, not Russell Gage, Gabriel Davis. You'll never catch, catch me drafting Gabriel Davis as high as he's going on underdog. I don't care that he's had one insane game in the playoffs. That doesn't rationalize taking him ahead of proven studs. This is a guy who, in two seasons in the NFL, has never reached 
65 targets. He's never had more than 35 receptions. He's never even touched 600 receiving yards. He had a target share of just 10.9% in each season. In 2021, Gage, he ranked 67th among all wide receivers in playerprofiler.com's route win rate metric at just 37%, which means he he considered was considered a win on his routes just 37.1% of the time. The Russell Gage truthers, I don't know why I keep saying Russell Gage. The Gabriel Davis truthers try to make excuses for his lack of involvement in the offense, like arguing the reason he wasn't on the field was because of Emmanuel Sanders. Really? You're using this much draft capital to get a guy who can't even beat out Emmanuel Sanders? Come on now. But that's a wrap for today. Check out my articles on the site for a few more players. I'm higher and lower on than consensus. You can also find my rankings at Yards for Fantasy in the draft kit. Just go to yardsperfantasy.com slash draft dash kit for all the resources you need to dominate your drafts. So I'll see you guys back here next week. Same time, same place. Thanks, guys.